Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. This is James from Dividend Stock Talk, brought to you by the 10-Minute Trader, where I invest in dividend stocks for weekly cash flow. It is Tuesday, the 6th of June. We are officially into week number 22 of the year. Almost halfway. Holy cow, in a couple more days, a couple more weeks, we'll be halfway. Imagine that. Anyway, here we are. Let's jump in, see where we are, see where we're going, see what's going on. I had a conversation with, with uh, someone yesterday telling me that it, um, if you don't want in front of a computer, it's a little challenging following what it is that I'm doing and understanding what I'm doing. Well, I'm basically just doing um, dividend capturing and covered calls and call writing. Um, basically, I'll look at a certain stock. Now, when I say I look at a certain stock, I only have about 130 stocks that are in my roster, so to speak. They're on my watch list. And every one of these companies is, is at least 100 years old, um, has increased their dividend payments for more than 20 to 25 years. That means every year they dish out more and more money to people who own the stocks, the shareholders. Now, the reason why I only look at those companies is because they have longevity or historical performance, meaning they've been around, they've seen a lot of shit. Okay, uh, let's take Ford, for instance. It's over 100 years old. It has seen World War I. It has seen World War II, the Korean War, the, um, the Vietnam War, Iran, Iraq, Afghanistan. It has seen all that crap, yet they still dish out um, dividends to their shareholders. The main focus is to obtain a safe, secure, predictable, and consistent 1% return per week. Now, I do that either by buying the stock before the EX date, capturing the run-up. Now, the run-up is an artificial number that when a lot of investors buy a stock for a certain reason, the price moves upward. No rhyme or reason to it. It's just that the dividend is approaching and some people want to capture the dividend for income or for whatever reason. Now I take a look at historical performance. How often has it done it? The only way to find that out is to go look at the, the seasonality chart. Now the seasonality chart puts one chart on top of another, on top of another, on top of another. I do it for 10 years. Okay, so I'll look at a stock let's say <clears throat> June 6th of, of last year, June 6th of the year before, June 6th of the year before, so on and so forth, for 10 years to get an idea of how the stock normally reacts with business as normal, so to speak. So if you're not in front of your computer, I'm going to see if there's a way that I can deliver some of this information to make it easy to follow. All right. Now, I'm going to make the assumption that those of you listening understand what a stock chart is. It takes a certain look at a stock at a certain time frame. Now, if it's a yearly chart, it's one full year or 226 points of data. The high of the day, the low of the day, the opening of the day, and the close of the day. There's only four numbers there. Opening, high, low, close. 
Well, we also have the volume, and volume is not as um, important to price movements, but it does have some some influence. Okay, um, you have average, which how many stocks or how many shares on average buy and sell on a daily basis. And then you have abnormalities, where the volume or the amount of shares are traded, you know, more and more. Uh, after that, I squeeze down my chart to look at smaller ranges, um, like the last 30 days. That's a very important one to me. I like to trade by following the trend. Now, the trend is basically which direction the stock is moving. And stocks only move in four directions. Sorry, three directions. Either up, down, or sideways. Basically means it doesn't go anywhere. It means if it closed yesterday at 33, it's going to open today at 33 and close today at 33. Or somewhere right around the area. Not too much movement. So it's up, down, or sideways. Now, stocks only move for one of two reasons. Either a known reason, which we know why it's moving. Now, that could be an upcoming dividend. That could be an introduction to a new product. That could be some favorable news on, on the radio or the TV. Um, it could be some adverse news. I remember when the Exxon Valdez sunk. Exxon Mobil stock went down. The um, When some big pharmaceutical company has a new drug coming out that's either accepted or rejected. If the insurance company has a big scandal going on and it's going to affect all the other ones. So we have known reasons and we have unknown reasons. Unknown reasons you can really only react to. Now, a known reason you could basically say, ooh, this is coming up, I know this is gonna happen. Like I give you for instance, the first week of every year, Hershey's chocolate stock goes up. Why do you think that is? The first of well, the first week of February. Well, because you got Valentine's Day, and right after Valentine's Day, you have Easter. Okay, um, Apple stock has a tendency to move up every year in the fourth quarter. Why is that? Because Apple, the company, introduces a new product right around the fourth quarter. Um, and they've been doing that for years. Certain companies have certain movements consistently during the year. From January to December, something happens within the year on a consistent basis year after year after year. Now, some oil stocks have a tendency to go up just before winter comes. That's probably self-explanatory. Um, some holiday venues have a tendency to go up in the beginning of, uh, what is that, May or June? Right around summer vacation where kids are going on vacation. Certain activities on a yearly basis have a, a direct effect on the valuation or the price movement of a stock. And that's just what seasonality is. How has Macy's stock been affected by the Macy's Day Parade? Okay, we know when the Macy's Day Parade is coming. Does the stock move up during that time frame or does it move down during that time frame? That's what the seasonality chart is for. Hopefully, I can start going into these a little bit 
more um, aware that some listeners aren't looking at the computer or not writing this stuff down. Now, I base this account every year with flat $100,000. So, because it makes the numbers easier to work with. Now, the objection, objective, is to obtain a 1% uh, return per week. So, on a $100,000 account, I'm looking to make $100,000 a week. Safely, consistently, predictably, you know, all that kind of nice, neat, fun stuff. Now, I have several choices. I could buy the stock before the EX date and collect the dividend and then sell it after the EX date. And hopefully I'll make my 1%. Sometimes I do. Other times, I will buy a stock and then I will turn around within the next minute or two of buying it and sell someone the right to buy it from me for basically the exact same price I paid for it. You will notice if you've been following, almost every stock I take a look at has a weekly option available. Now, there are a lot of really good companies that only have monthly stocks, uh, monthly options available, meaning there's only one per month, and that's usually the third Friday. Those are fine and dandy, but I, I found over the years that, number one, they don't pay as much as the weekly optionable stocks. Number two, I have to hold them for three weeks, three to four weeks. And a lot can go, you know, a trend can totally change in three or four weeks. Now, doing it on a weekly basis, you know, making all my positions on Monday and Tuesday, I'm usually out by Friday. Okay, every once in a while, I will hold on to a stock and continue to sell a premium or to sell someone the right to buy it from me at a certain price. Like, uh, for instance, I've had Bank of America, which I currently have at this moment, for, let me just open it up. When I say open it up, I'm actually taking a look at the trade for that particular stock. Now, I bought Bank of America on the 18th of April. Now, that was like five or six weeks ago. Now, I've since collected the dividend because I usually buy two weeks before the dividend. So I've collected the dividend and all of those shares that I own. I also take a look at what the value of the premium, which is the option price, closest to the current stock price. That I have a feeling that it's not either going to go over or go under or that I would make a safe profit on. That being said, hopefully that gives up a little bit more time, a little bit more information. I really got to get to work. So let's get this thing done. And plus, that's half my time right there. So let's quickly take a look. Bank of America, let's see what it did yesterday, BAC, into the one-year chart. Now, I don't look at the whole year after I already own it. I only look at the last 30 days. The reason for that is I want to have a good idea of where the stock is going to move because the trend is the direction in which it is flowing at this moment. Now, at this moment in time, the last 30 days shows this thing going basically almost sideways. It was 30 days ago at uh, 2789. And today it's at 2854. Okay, so basically just kind of going sideways. Now, I have this at 3069. And apparently, I tried to sell the options on it yesterday, and apparently they didn't sell. So we're at 28 at the moment. 
let's sell some 29s. Now, what do I mean by selling 29s is I'm selling someone the right to buy it from me at 29, I'm gonna go 29.50. Because the 29s were just bit too close because it made a high yesterday at 28.80, which is close to 29. So we're gonna do 29.50 and we have 2,000 shares. So I'm gonna sell 20 contracts. Now each contract represents 100 shares. Now for this one trade, I'm bringing in $240. Granted, it's not a huge amount of money, but it's very close to 25% of what it is I'm looking for. Okay, so that trade is off. I'm gonna sell 20 BAC uh, 100s. Those are the weeklies. Nine, June 23, that is this Friday. That means this option is going to be expire on Friday. So if the stock closes on the end of Friday's afternoon, above 29, someone will buy the stock from me. If it does not, the option will expire worthless. I keep all that money and then I do the exact same thing again next week. Okay, so that's Bank of America. F, which is Ford. One of my favorite companies. The reason why that is, is because Ford is over 100 years old. They've increased their dividend payments for quite a while. I am just looking to capitalize. All right, now <clears throat> on some cash flow. Now, three weeks ago, Ford had a 30-day low. It means in the last 30 days, the low price for Ford was 11.24. Now that seems to be a pretty good bottom because it made that on the 16th and it also came very close on the 24th. That's kind of what's called the double bottom when they're both almost the exact same price for the low of that 30-day time frame. Now we have a 30-day high, which is the highest, highest it has gone in the last 30 days was 12.78. Now that was last Tuesday. Today we went to another Tuesday and the stock is sitting at this moment at 12.39. Now, I bought uh, just 300 shares, big whoop, for $12.62. Okay, I'm selling someone the right to buy it from me at $12.50, which is lower than what I paid for it. But... I sold someone the right, and they're paying me 27 cents a share. So if you add that 27 cents to the strike price or the option that I sold, the $12.50, my sale price come Friday would be $12.77, which is 22 cents higher than what I paid for it. Now, 22 cents would be my profit. Granted, it doesn't sound like a lot, but if you do a little bit of math, 22 cents is more than 1.3% of what I paid for it. So buy Ford, sell someone the right to buy it from me. I make my 1% right there, and I'm happy with that. Okay, so that's Ford. KMB is another one. KMB <clears throat> for the last 30 days. We've seen a double high, close to a triple high. That means three times this thing has hit the 145.27 area. 
Now, from there, what we have is profit-taking. Okay, profit-taking is basically when a stock is at a certain price and investors think, hey, I don't think it's going to go any further. Let me capture some of these profits because we all know. And if you don't know, you're going to know now. Profit is not profit until you take it. Okay, just because you bought it at 100 and now it's at 200, it doesn't mean you actually profited $100 until you sell it and realize that profit. All right. So KMB hit that high in the last 30 days at 145.28. A lot of profit taking, then she drops back down and she hits a new 30-day low at 132.79. Now, it's bouncing off of that the past three days. And let's see where we are with KMB. We're into KMB at 143. Now, considering it's less than what I paid for it, I sold someone the right to buy it from me at 137. Okay, that means I'm going to keep my eye on this all week to make sure it does not go over 137 on the end of Friday. At that point, I'll have to decide what do I want to do. And I'll explain that when the time comes. But right now, it is what it is. Macy's, we bought a bunch of Macy's yesterday. The reason being because Macy's numbers look really good. And they got a dividend coming up next week. Okay, so the last 30 days, this thing's gone sideways for quite a bit. Then she made a dip and then a recovery. We got a 30-day high at 1590. That was three weeks ago. And a 30-day 30, 30 low at 1280. Now, that was last Thursday. Right at this moment in time, we're sitting at 1542. Okay, we bought this at 15.43 and we sold someone the right to buy it from us at 15. Now, again, I bought it for 15.43. I'm giving someone the right to buy it at 15. Why? Well, because they gave me a 67 cent premium, which means my sell price would be 15.67. What I paid for it plus the premium that I was paid for the privilege of buying it from me at 15. That gives me a 20, 24 cent profit. Now, it doesn't sound like a lot, but you multiply that by 2,000, and that gets a little, gets a little heavier, okay? Um, MDT's last one, MDT. Last 30 days, MDT, Medtronic's going sideways for the first three weeks. And then the week before last, she starts to drop. So we have a triple high at 90.19. Going sideways for three, four weeks. Then she drops down to find the bottom. Not last Friday, but the Friday before. Okay, so on the 26th of May, this thing hits the bottom at 81.02. Now, from there, it bounces off. That bottom means it starts heading back up. It's sitting at 83.73. Now, I'm into MDT at 84.06, all right? And I sold someone the right to buy it from me at 84, which is less than what I paid for it. But then again, I sold it for 86 cents a share. So come Friday, if this is 
above 84, my sale price or my profit would be 80 cents a share, which is a smidge below 1%. Okay, so those are all the positions I have in this account. I have one more. I have, I have too many accounts. Um, I have Macy's in my other account. I might even bother looking at that one. I have Ford in another account, and I think that's about it. So I really loaded up on Ford and Macy's this week. Only because they're both over 100 years old and nothing else was really appealing. All right, so let's take a look at the market watch. Uh, the market watch gives me all my list of stocks in a calendar, in a calendar format. So I'm looking at the month of June, see the first week, second week, third week, fourth week, and fifth week, and every single stock that's paying out a dividend is a little green dot on there MDT, DE, MDLZ, FITB. NUE, USB, GE, COP, so on and so forth. There's hundreds of companies paying on a monthly basis. Now, this week is one of those weird weeks where there's almost nothing available. So we have to make up stuff to look at. Now I have six lists that I look at. My number one list is my 100-year-old stocks. These are companies that are over 100 years old, and they all have weekly options, meaning they're pretty sturdy, and they're not going anywhere, in my humble opinion. The next list is the CBOE, which is the Chicago Board of Exchange, I think it is. Um, and they have weekly optionable stocks, which is every single one of them. Now, granted, I don't use that one that often because... The dividend performance is not as stellar as the ones that I like to have. Then I have the dividend achievers, those companies that have increased their payments for more than 25 years. The dividend kings, they increased their dividends for more than 50 years. And then they have the high volume stocks. These ones are easy to get in, easy to get out. And the last but not least is Warren Buffett's list. Because we all know Warren Buffett is a great investor, and if it's good enough for him, it's good enough for me. Now, there's no dividend kings, there's no Warren Buffett's list, there's no dividend achievers. So the only thing we can look at is high-volume stocks. Nothing there. Um, wow. We looked at every single list, except for the weekly optionables. And there are... Seven. Seven of them. Now, AVGO. I've never bought it before. AVGO. I don't like it. It's $800 stock. And I don't go do stocks over 300 bucks Because I just don't have that much money. Okay. Why, why? 28 bucks. Okay. So, why, why? I don't even know the name of the company. Let's find out. Joy Incorporated. They're paying out a 51 cent dividend. Okay. Right around the 22nd, 23rd. So this is the perfect time to jump in and grab onto it if everything looks right. They started out a year ago at the high of the year. Now it has a double high at 39.71. It hit it last May, sorry, last June. And then it hit it again beginning of January. Now the low of the year was 24.27 and they hit that last October. All right, so I wanna take a look at the last 30 days. The last 30 days, we have a 30 day high at 
Okay, now that was three weeks ago, the 15th of May. And we have a 30-day low of 24.12. Now, that was four days ago. <coughs> we had some nice recovery, so we're sitting at 28.20 at this moment in time. Before we decide to jump in on it, let's take a look at the seasonality chart. Seasonality gives me an idea of where this stock normally moves on a yearly basis. Now, by looking at this, she jumps up nicely from January 1st to February 14th. That is a nice move. From there, she slides down until May 16th. Now, from May 16th to June 21st, another nice movement, which is where we are right now. So, let's find out. So, so far, we like the one-year chart, like the 30-day chart, like the seasonality chart. The only thing left is to take a look at the trade grid. What do I mean by that? Well, let's just toss it out the window because it's a monthly optional stock. But, just to stay on track, the trade grid gives me the last price, gives me the bid and the ask. So the last price was the last trade yesterday, which was 28.20. Now, we have a bid, which means you can sell it at 28.21, and an ask, which you can buy it at 28.75. Now, the market's not open at this moment in time, so the numbers are going to be not accurate. But I have found in the past that <clears throat> if the current bid and ask are both higher than the last price the stock traded at, more than likely the market maker is going to go towards the upside. Okay? Doesn't do me any good because if I bought it at this moment in time, at the 28.20, the closest option available is the 25. That means... As long as she stays above 25, come day of expiration, you will make a profit. However, by looking at these numbers here, the bid is 310 by 350. If you add the bid, which is what you sell it for, so you buy you have to buy the stock first, and then you sell someone the option to buy it from you, and they pay you the premium. And the premium is $3.10. You add that $3.10 to what the strike price is. And this strike price at the moment is 25. So effectively your sale price would be 28.10, which is less than what the purchase price is. So those numbers do not work. And this is one of the main reasons why I stay away from monthly optional stocks. All right, I'm gonna close it up for today because we're into 27 minutes uh, and we will catch you guys again tomorrow. Well, that wraps up another session. I want to thank you for joining us. If you want to follow along with some of these live session trades, let us know. If you have any questions, we can get back to you. And have a great day.